Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the Soul Shack tonight. On my right, Adam Markham. Addy, how are you, home? Doing very well, Josh. How are you, mate? I'm doing all right. It's a beautiful Tuesday. Jet lag, I think, has finally worn off. You spend a, an entire month in another country and then get dragged to Texas for work the following week for four days. That's right. You're a man I, of culture. You love to travel. I was, I was to see ab- the world. I was absolutely worthless this past weekend. Uh, just sat around the house, did the laundry. You're gone for a month. Some you don't think about. It. You're not going to come back to any food mm-hmm. in the fridge. We had to clean out the pantry, clean out the fridge, get the meal planning, do the groceries. Yeah, and it was kind of like we were moving in for the first yeah, right. time, starting from square one. Exactly. So. I'm glad to be out of that face. Glad to be home, sleeping in your own bed. I think it's one of those cliches at this point of like, can't wait to get home to sleep. My-. There's something to be said for hey, hey. being in your own hey. bed, Addy. There's no place like home. There is no place like home. That is true. No place like the Soul Shack either, Addy. Hey, this is home. This is home. This is home. We're in the process of making some updates to the Soul Shack right now. Very exciting stuff happening. Some exciting stuff on the horizon for the show. We're in talks uh, for some really cool collabs this season that we're hoping to announce here soon. But big things in the works, Addy. We're like a month out from actual football. Yeah, it's going to be a great season, man. It really is. I'm so fired up. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're just as passionate as ever about this whole IDP thing. That's right. um, Happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Really. I know yeah. we make fun of the the space and community all the time. Do you? I haven't noticed. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of really good people doing work out there. We have we have a lot of really smart people in the community now. A lot of people that um, have gotten into the creation side of, of things, content creation side of things. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's pretty sweet. I mean, there's really not much excuse for people to say there's like, there's no resources out there, um, you know, stuff you hear. Yeah. It's not growing. Yes, it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. is. And yeah. our show, I think, is a testament to that. I think that's a big reason why it's because of us. That's right. You're welcome, folks. A tip of the Make one. sure everyone, you know, do something nice for us. Say something nice about us. Just, uh, you know, we we did, we did done all this for y'all. That's true. Uh, the, 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 you know, millions of dollars that we're raking in and endorsements don't hurt either. Sure, sure. Uh, but that ain't, that ain't what it's about. That is, ain't about the money. That is right. for sure. Uh, and if you want to support us, that's a great point, Addy. Go check out the idpdraftkit.com. Pick you up a copy. I know drafts are going on right now. We've got our home league draft this weekend. Just switch that league over to Sleeper. 16 years. 16 years. We update the name of it every year. And but it's, all, it's, it's longer than that, actually. That's just the, the, the name of this league because we've been doing it before. That would if it was six. That would have been our senior year of high school. I think we did it a few years before that. See, I remember getting into fantasy football. I was we we did we did an interview. You guys are going to hear on the back side of this episode with the guys from All Twenty Two. I mentioned in that interview, uh, this is my twentieth year playing fantasy football because I remember getting into it my freshman year of high exactly school, right? Which was two thousand two. But I don't know that we made a league until a little bit right. later on. I think, yeah, it kind of got formal a few years later. Once you're like, oh, this is great. We're going to do right? this for the rest of our lives. Exactly. Yeah. So home league draft on Sleeper. Haven't gotten those guys to migrate over to IDP yet, but happy to have that on the uh, yeah. the Sleeper app finally. Uh, auction league, you know, one of, uh, we do the RSO auction league, but, uh, you know, this is a group that's seen a little bit of turnover, had some turnover this year, but. Uh, you know, it's good. I think 
home drafts, I, I, I personally don't think about this league like right up until it's draft time, but it's always a good time to this is have a, your home draft. And honestly, this is uh, this league's pretty good. I mean, yeah, it is. We have another home draft that uh, that that league is not good. Like, there's a lot. I, I do really well on that one. That's I, I tell people all the time. That's the best investment I ever made was getting into that league. Yes, because there's there's some just older fellas that just yeah. don't keep up with it like us, right? We just have just such a massive advantage because we're always on top of the news, and that's really the key to being. It successful. is. Just stay on top of it. Doing a weekly podcast, I think, helps you just stay on top of but things. Yeah. The draft this weekend, the the room's a lot more sharper. Um, the one I have at the end of the month, it's not. I'm also right in the middle of the IDP Invitational. Oh, speak on it. Yeah, this was my first year getting to do it. Um, I, I tried to sign up last year, but something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened. There Was there a bug in the system? Yeah, they wanted me out. They voted you off the they island? They voted me out. I can't say too I much. Them. Too much. Too much swag, too much salt. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm in the Jupiter division. Um, I have made it through three rounds. So it's the offensive scoring is based off the Scott Fish Bowl, which everyone knows all about that, of course. That's uh, that, that leans, is that tight end premium? or? Yes, it is tight end premium. Yeah. So it's, it's super flex. Uh, yeah, you get a tight ends get an extra half a point um, per reception, and they get a half an extra half a point for first down. Oh, there you go. I knew there was a first down component in there somewhere as well. So I started. Um, I started Travis Kelsey, nice, and Mark Andrews. Ooh, love that. Yeah, and then I went uh, Trey Lance. I just had Trey Lance as my third pick, so I'm waiting for my fourth. But yeah, I'm excited about that. I'll uh, I'll, I'll keep everyone updated on the twitters. And like Addy said, this is a great time to be an IDP manager. Go back. You mentioned this as well, Addy, that uh, John Macri, Justin Varnes just had a killer episode of Big Nickel looking at some of their favorite values in IDP drafts. So relevant this time of year. If you have not checked that out yet, and many of you have, the numbers have been awesome for that one. Go back and check it out. Uh, Really awesome getting to have Justin in the feed for the first time. Hopefully not the last time. We'll try to get him on. Yeah, we'll uh, have to get him on our show as well. Yeah, here he's, soon. He's great. Yeah. And he does, you know, great work over there at Fancy Points. And that's again, right. Part of that, you know, uh, really smart community that I mentioned. I mean, there's he's someone that's very slept on. And he doesn't, you know, he's kind of keeps to himself. He's not really outspoken on the Twitters, but that dude knows his stuff. And I, that, you know, shines through on, on the episode with John. That's right. So go check out their podcast as well, the uh, Fantasy Points podcast. His IDP corner is in that podcast feed, so go check it out. Macri's got a few episodes left of Big Nickel Season 2 next week coming up with Mike Wallert, but fun show for you guys today. We're happy to be back. Like we mentioned, we've got the guys from all 22, Ray, Chris, and Bobby. In the back half of the episode, we just got finished with an awesome interview with those guys. Had our IDP Avengers draft a couple weekends ago. That was a wild ride. You're going to hear all about it. We've even got six of our league ma- league mates weighing in with their strategy. So you heard on the Big Nickel episode how the platform works and kind of the concept with all 22. So this round, we're going to be looking at strategy. So you'll want to check that out. A lot of fun talking to those guys. But Addy, until then... Let's talk some training camp news. This is can be a slow period for IDP news, but boy, some big stuff went down today, including one of the best linebackers in all of IDP asking for a trade. 
Roquan Smith, Bears linebacker IDP stalwart, has formally requested a trade, did the screenshot of the Notes app on Twitter, explaining the rationale, said that the team has been lowballing him, they're not operating in good faith, that the deal would be detrimental to linebackers across the league if he took it. This is a major shakeup, Addy. Roquan Smith, if you're going with a linebacker heavy build in your drafts, is often LB1 off the board. And now we have a seismic shakeup with the Chicago Bears and him being far apart on a new contract. Yeah. I mean, it's going to bump him down a little bit, right? I mean, he's just, it just gives him a little more risk. And he is someone that you have to um, draft very high. And if I'm drafting someone very high, I don't want to have to deal with really any risk at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I would think that this gets worked out, right? I mean, you, you want to, Chicago, um, they don't have a lot of talent on that roster. And, and you know, I don't think you want to lock up a ton of money for a, a guy like Roquan who, you know, you just, he's a linebacker. That's the thing, because you look at the context, and this doesn't really make sense for the Bears, who are dead last yeah. in the amount of cash spent. Yeah. $165 million. By comparison, the Rams, who are first, are spending about $300 million in cash for 2022. So the least amount of spending. But so you may ask yourself, okay, they're not spending any money on anyone. So why lowball Roquan Smith? Of the 15 linebackers who played a thousand snaps, only five graded worse than Roquan Smith at 47.8 overall defensive grade, according to PFF. So I think new regime, new general manager, new coach, they're tearing this thing down to the studs. I think this is a situation, Addy, where they like Roquan Smith. They don't love Roquan Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's piles up the, the tackles and, um, He's a he's a fun, flashy player, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he hasn't graded very well at all since he came into the league, and um, it's just, you, that's just not the way you you build a team. You, you know, it's it's overpaying a linebacker like that. I mean, think of how many times does that work out? Not often, rarely. Yeah, I mean, what we'll it, see how it goes with Foyce Aluakun. Probably not going to work if out. The Jags are wanting to like slit their own throats two years into that contract. Darius Leonard just got paid. We're about to get to him. That's right. I mean, so far, that's not looking like the the best deal. Yeah. I mean, we love Darius Leonard, of course, but, I mean, he's a guy that uh, struggles to stay on the field. There's two sides to the argument here, and I can understand both sides of it, that this team is tearing it down to the studs, so you're not paying anyone. Why not pay Roquan Smith? Why not pay a face-of-the-franchise type of guy? Even if your team's going to suck, at least give the the fans someone that they know. They can a, buy a jersey. A name on the jersey, yeah. a face on the tickets, you know, like a, a banner on the side of the stadium. Give the team some kind of identity. So there's that element of it. But there's also the element of what does a highly paid linebacker do for a team that's probably going to win two or three games? Yeah. That's not the best allocation of resources. Yeah. I think the the best move would be for Chicago to trade him. Right. I agree. Recoup some capital back. But what's anyone going to be willing to spend on that? You know, is is someone going to give up a first round pick? No, a third, maybe. Yeah, maybe because they're going to have to pay him. But I mean, you know, that's not a huge return to really deal a guy like that. You know, not really. Probably just hold on to Roquan Smith. I mean, I don't know. It's a tough situation, man. Yeah, I don't think there's a right answer other than if Nicholas Morrow is on your waivers for whatever reason. 
go scoop this guy up. Yeah, that's that's the great part of all this is Nicholas Morrow. I mean, you can, you know, you likely have like a linebacker two or three if something happens. I mean, shit, maybe linebacker one. Could if, be. If Roquan misses time or holds out or whatever. I Gets traded, I mean. If At they, the if end they of the trade. day, ha, we I will say there have been many players, mostly wide receivers, that have demanded trades. They've all gotten paid. Mm-hmm. You know, Russell Wilson, that leaked last year. He ends up getting traded this offseason. I don't know, man. Debo Samuel requested a trade. Right? That got worked out. So I think, for me, it's about a 50-50 proposition as to whether Roquan Smith is on the Bears week one. Yeah. I don't have a strong sense, man, because... These linebackers, though, it's it's. I think they're um, kind of like the running backs. I think they're going to have to understand that just the league doesn't value them the that's way right. that they once did. That's right. Know? And that's just, that's hard to come to terms with, but it's just the fact. I think Roquan Smith wants to be the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. That's kind of how this works. And he's just not going to be that on a team that is in complete rebuild teardown mode. Yeah. So I think he's reading the room appropriately that if I want to get paid top dollar, I need to get the hell out of Dodge. Yep. Will that happen? We'll see. Yeah. If he wants to get big bucks, he needs to get to free agency. That's right. So same thing with like Deontay Johnson. Like, I, I mean, I don't understand why he was so eager to sign that deal. Like, dude, you were going to get massive money from somebody. That's right. Like the Steelers, I feel like just gave him like market value pretty much. Like For, he, like, he could have gotten that on a tag. Second tier down almost. Like yeah. it's, it's not even top of the market I money. Mean, Christian like, Kirk just got. It, it's Christian Kirk money. Buku, but you know, but I mean, that deal would have been way bigger if he waited. Exactly. Because you'd have been the prettiest girl at the dance yeah. getting probably even more than what Deontay aired that uh, Christian Kirk got. But he's got the peace of mind, I guess, now. That he's, That's right. You know. So will Roquan Smith be a bear week one? We don't know. Will Shaquille Leonard be on the field for the Indianapolis Colts week one? Probably not, Addy. Yeah, they've already confirmed that he's going to miss time this year. I think. Or, or that's what the beats are. The, the way I'm reading the tea leaves here, they're using phrases like, uh, expect him back at some point this season. Not going yeah. to rush him. No, he's an important part of the team. And so the way I read that is this guy's probably going to miss maybe the first month or two of the season. Total gut feel. But here's the factor that I think we have to take into account. Last year, Darius Leonard, and it was Darius Leonard then, played on a bum ankle. If you watched Hard Knocks in season, you saw the lengths that he had to go through just to be on the field. I think part of that was this third-round draft pick signing this huge deal, wanting to justify the contract. I understand that. When I got hired into the job that I'm in now, I was working nights, I was working weekends. I felt like I had to justify my employer's faith in giving me that position. This year, though, one year removed from that contract, facing not an ankle problem, but recovery from back surgery, I don't know that Shaquille Leonard is in the same kind of headspace that he was last offseason where he felt really, really motivated to go out and prove that he was worth every penny of this contract. I think the mindset is a little bit different now, and I don't think we're going to see Darius Leonard. For I would, I would put the over-under at about the first six weeks of the season. Wow. So, I mean, if that's the case... Where are you willing to take him in a draft? Boy, I I don't know that I am. I think I'm just going to pass on Leonard and Let's grab one else. Still, I'll, I'll grab Bobby O. Yeah, 
because or EJ Speed or EJ Speed, right? Filling in that Bobby O role. Yeah, like we've seen both these linebackers be profitable for IDP and Indy. But like you said, I I don't think um, IDP managers are going to give you a huge discount on Shaquille Leonard because there's still a chance that he's on the field sooner rather than later, even if it's not week one. The season is long. I will give you that. But I've just, I've been down this road before with like Peyton Manning, with like Andrew Luck, these kind of like back injuries and these kind of nebulous timelines. I feel like they bite you in the ass more than they come through on the positive side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a stay away for me. Um, love Darius Leonard. Love the week to week advantage he'll give you. But I mean, to, we know he usually misses games every year anyway, but to like, be guaranteed that he's going to miss a few. It's just not. Yeah. No, thanks. We'll see. Maybe they, him in dynasty still. Yeah, he's exactly. Still, he's still a top four linebacker in dynasty. Yeah. This doesn't dynasty. Not as much. I mean, back surgery. He's still young enough. He's 26, 27, I think. So, I mean, he's, he's going to be fine, but yeah, I just, I prefer not to have to overpay for that. Now, with the nebulous situation surrounding these two guys in a redraft league, let's say you want to go with an LB heavy build. Micah Parsons at one? Yeah. Devin White at two? Um, I think I think Bobby Wagner. B-Wag's I creeping like up to two Wagner for you? Quite a bit. Yep. Um, actually, I was in there today. I was, was going to say, you moved a little, little sneak peek here of the updates we're doing in the IDP draft kit, but you moved Darius Leonard down to LB 11. I, I did. I did for redraft, right? Not for dynasty. Correct. And, um, and he still, he still may slide down a little bit more, but so I moved up, uh, Bobby Wagner's now my LB two Roquan Smith is LB three, which that could be going down. Uh, Devondre Campbell is LB four, uh, foyer Luakun is LB five. Uh, then Jordan Brooks, Devin white, um, uh, Fred Warner, Logan Wilson. I was going to say Logan Wilson probably in there. Eric Kendricks, Darius Leonard. Okay. CJ Mosley, Cole Holcomb. So it's like, that's, that's where the line is for me at the moment because, uh, I guess I'm still optimistic. I don't think he's going to miss six games. I feel like he, maybe he's going to miss like two or three games. Yeah. I, I'm on the more pessimistic side just because I've been snake bit by this before in the past and just the wording and it. He's not even like dressed like it yeah. just the whole thing is giving me the heebie-jeebies. So yeah. and knowing that the Colts, I think knowing they have Bobby O, a player who they have full confidence in mm -hmm. manning the middle of that defense. I, I don't think there is a rush to bring this guy back. But I mean, boy, he's a he's a cheat code out there, man, that they've had some some big losses, though, the Colts defense. I mean, losing Kari Willis just yep. out of nowhere. And then now having to be without Darius Leonard for a little stretch. I mean, that's that's tough, you know, for a team that um, I think probably they they feel like they're the favorite to win the division. This yeah, year. yeah, I think they are the betting favorite. So, um, yeah, that that we'll see how that defense reacts. But I I still have Darius Leonard as a top twelve off just because I mean I am willing to potentially take that risk. Like when we get to like the Cole Holcomb, yeah. uh, CJ Mosley range, like I'll, I'll, I'll maybe take a risk and, and, and draft Leonard just, just for that year end. Exactly. Upside. Even if you get 10 to 11 games yeah. of Leonard, that's if you have him for the final stretch of the year, I mean, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. You love that. Cause we know we can, we can, 
we can get by the first. We can get in the playoffs without Leonard. Whatever. Exactly. Even if we, you know. If Leonard's the chess piece you're bringing onto the board at the end of the season. Yeah. Maybe that's nice. And also, you could just go draft EJ Speed. That's right. Or Bobby O. Or, did, or Murrow. Um, yeah, Nicholas Morrow. Morrow. Pick him up. I mean, scoop EJ Speed and Nicholas Morrow off waivers. They're, these guys probably aren't even getting drafted. I think yeah. even knowing the uh, Roquan Smith situation that he was looking for a new deal, Morrow's still probably out yeah, there on waivers. He was still someone that should have, yeah, probably going to be relevant either way. So, um, yeah, we know that story. There's always talent out there on the waiver wire. And and That's sometimes right. sometimes the fill in for the full time guy the stud is like questionable right like we're not quite sure if this guy gets the opportunity can he fill in we know Bobby O is capable probably one of the best like linebacker handcuffs in all of IDP so you know, speed is as well he had moments last year when he got absolutely the opportunity. so team yeah. likes EJ speed a lot both those guys will be very relevant if if Leonard misses a lot of time. So from one player that we are very fond of to another, the training camp buzz. And I got to give a shout out to Greg Rosenthal here because he wrote an incredible article. Check it out if you haven't. NFL.com slash Rosenthal. Basically looking at all the training camp hype and buzz coming out and sifting through all the noise to pick out. I believe it was 51 nuggets that you needed to know from these first couple weeks of training camp. And our boy Antoine Winfield Jr., this was very interesting to me, Addy, has replaced Sean Murphy Bunting as the Bucks slot defender. Wow. What do we think about this with uh, Winfield moving toward the slot, it sounds like? I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, we see how how good that is for cornerbacks to be playing that slot. You know, think about Kenny Moore. Think about Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey. Those guys are all um, extremely relevant and and rack up a lot of tackles for being cornerbacks just because they're playing, you know, uh, closer to the action, closer to the line of scrimmage and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be good for him. I mean, he's going to, it's not like he'll just be exclusively in the slot. He's still going to get safety snaps. Um, he's just an extremely versatile player. I think it just speaks more to like how good Antoine Winfield is that you can just line him up wherever, let him just, um, he's just a playmaker. He's just a, he's a good football player. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you should ding him at all. I mean, I think this is good for, for Logan Ryan, especially. Yep. That they're figuring out ways to, you know, keep those guys both on the field. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Antoine Winfield, he's, he's still going to – it don't matter. You can put him at edge. He'll still find Put him at defensive tackle. He's going to absolutely eat. He'll still finish top six somehow. That's right. And I, the knock on Winfield Jr. is always, well, he lines up deep. So, closer. Arrow up for me if he's lining up in the slot. He already had, like, what, three sacks? Yeah. In both years, I think. I don't know if that's correct, but I know he had three sacks. I'm going to say it's year. correct. You said it with confidence. Yeah. I'm bought in now. Three sacks. Three sacks every year from playing deep. So. Exactly. So if your biggest knock on Winfield Jr. is, well, he plays deep too much. I don't want to rely on him. And now suddenly he's playing more in the slot. That's what made Jalen Ramsey relevant. That's what made Kenny Moore a top five cornerback the past two seasons. So... I like that a lot. That is not an arrow down situation for me. It's arrow up. We love Antoine Winfield. Two Jr. sacks. And even more. So two sacks. Two sacks last year. Three sacks the year before that. But he only played 13 games in uh, 2021. Well, there you go. So Antoine Winfield Jr. lining up a little more in the slot. Brandon Graham lining up with the backups. 
And Addy, he doesn't seem to mind it, saying that he wants to be the best role player he can be. I think the reason I brought this up and put this in the doc tonight is just kind of a signal of like Brandon Graham's days as an IDP relevant piece are over. Yeah. Yeah. RIP. Brandon Graham, really fun player. Hard knock standout. No, uh, the Amazon show, All or Nothing. Absolute standout on that show. Love Brandon Graham as a person and as a player. And I think he'll still be great for that Eagles defensive line. But for IDP, just, the, the ship has sailed. It's too crowded there now. Yep. You know, Josh Sweat. Uh, Hassan Reddick, they they are super beefy inside. With, they brought back Derek Barnett, didn't they? Derek Barnett as well inside. You got freaking uh, Jordan Davis, Milton, Milton Williams, Fletcher Cox is still yeah. there, right? Yeah, I mean, just, uh, Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave. Oh my! I God. mean, this team is it's beef. It's beefaroni up it the really middle. Really is. Jeez, forgot about Hargrave. That's that's uh, that's gonna be an interesting rotation to to watch. Yeah, and see how all those snaps and everything shake out. I mean. I don't know. Are any of those interior guys IDP relevant with how stacked they are? I would hope Hargrave would be. I know Varnes and Macri were talking up uh, Hargrave as one of their values late in draft. Yeah. So I've got him in quite a few spots too. So I hope so. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of talent there. That's not usually something you you like. Yeah. So Brandon Graham, happy trails. Thanks for the IDP relevant seasons that you gave us. But we're going to call this next one, Addy, the uh, DFF trip. Well, now Dynasty football guys trip special here. Uh, he was talking about the Broncos linebacker situation. He's a big Josie Jewell guy. The question mark alongside Josie Jewell, who's going to be that LB2 in Denver? It's sounding like it's going to be Jonas Griffith appears all but locked in as the Broncos linebacker beside Josie Jewell. He's even taken some snaps as the lone linebacker in certain formations. My name is Jonas. Season may be here, Addy. Yeah. I mean, he in limited action last year, he graded very well. Um, I think he was like in the 70s or 80s. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I've been reading too. I mean, it's Josie Jewell, the clear-cut one, and then Griffith has been the other guy that has been most impressive. Um, so... I think that's how people should be drafting these guys. And it doesn't seem like that's been the case. Like Alex Singleton, for some reason, is typically getting drafted as like the LB1. I think people remember like, oh, this guy had some monster weeks. It's the long, greasy hair. Long, greasy It's the hair. bad boy look. Yeah. But I mean, they didn't pay that dude anything. You know, they gave him nothing. I don't even know if they gave him a million dollars. I don't even know if they gave him a dollar, like $10. Go check out. There's an article Trip put out, has been putting out some great threads on Twitter, threads that don't make you want to kill yourself. Mm. And uh, he's been looking at projections that raise his eyebrows. And we wrote up a few of them for the website. So go check out his Twitter feed, check out the IDP show.com. But Singleton was one of the ones. And I think it tied into this point that he made on Macri's podcast of like, guys, Josie Jewell is the linebacker to roster in Denver. Yep. Jonas Griffith now, according to what we're seeing, Appears to be the number two. So Alex Singleton is not relevant for IDP rosters right now. I yep. think that's the larger point we're trying to make here. Yep. So from Denver to Dallas, add in, you love to see this. From defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, Anthony Barr was brought in specifically to buy Micah Parsons more edge snaps. Hmm. So if you're wondering, okay, how does 
Anthony Barr fit into this role? It sounds like LVE, Anthony Barr will be the linebackers on the field, or at least Anthony Barr fits into this rotation. We talked about Jabril Cox in the last episode. It sounds like Anthony Barr fits into this rotation of guys that are going to allow for Micah Parsons to get those edge snaps. Yeah, just muddying it up pretty much. For I know, right? It's Behind just, Parsons, I don't know really who I want, if it's anyone. It's just Parsons. That's all, you're, that's all you're looking for on this Dallas defense is Parsons and Jaron Curse, Demarcus Lawrence. That's pretty much it. And the cornerbacks are pretty solid. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, not great. Not great. I was thinking um, they were talking on the Athletic Football Show, really great episode, uh, with Matt Harmon from Reception Perception talking about C.D. Lamb should be the betting favorite to lead the NFL in targets. Yeah. Think of how much volume this guy is going to get with uh, James Washington out for an extended period, Michael Gallup out. You got Jalen Tolbert and Noah Brown, and that's really about it. So, yeah. like, I'm like, this Dallas team could be bad. Yeah, they really You've could. got these really bright lights here between – Dak and CD and Micah Parsons. Nice stars, nice young exactly. stars, nice foundation. But yeah, they got well, a lot boy, of work to do. A lot that that who's the favorite in the AFC? Uh, I'm sorry, NFC East. NFC East, probably Philadelphia. You think so? I, I like them the best, especially if hey, Jalen Hurts takes a step forward. Yeah. Which there's no AJ excuse Brown. for him not to, right? AJ yeah. Brown, Devontae Smith, year two. Um, Goddard. Yeah, Dallas Goddard. Good offensive line. That defense has been improved. So. Yeah, I think I would put my money on Philadelphia. I mean, but Dallas, I mean, God, it's a, it's a stars and scrubs roster come to life, truly. Yeah. But uh, Anthony Barr, LVE, Jabril Cox. Gross. Like Addy said, the answer is Micah Parsons. But let's move now to another linebacker in Detroit, Addy, that is raising eyebrows and talk about Lions rookie Malcolm Rodriguez. Of course, Hard Knocks premieres tonight. Detroit is the featured team for Hard Knocks this year. And Malcolm Rodriguez has been generating a lot of buzz, getting called the surprise of camp, even taking first-team reps in the middle. I know Mikey Dubs is all over Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, this feels like one of those surprise linebackers that kind of comes out of nowhere to hit IDP relevancy very early in the season. Yeah, I think he has all the makings of that. Yeah, I mean, six-round pick, so not the draft capital we want. But he's a guy that was racking up tackles in college. He looks like he had 118 last year. Um, his Where do you play? Oklahoma State? Yeah, Oregon State maybe. It's one of the O states, uh, but I know that— I think it was Oklahoma State. Yeah, yes, anyway, it was. It was Oklahoma State. Yeah, there's just no one there. I mean, that's— that's what we're looking for. We're just looking for someone that's going to get opportunity. Eric Barnes, Alex Anzalone. Like, yeah. it's just no trash. Note. It's utter trash. But, yeah, so they got another six-round draft pick to put in the mix. I mean, dynasty-wise, I mean, probably can't expect this guy to be a, a long-term star or anything. But, I mean, if he's going to return value this early on, he's a he's a great target for you. I think I'm probably under waivers. I'm a little worried just because Dan Campbell, I feel like is a great hype man. Yeah. Right. Like I feel the, like everyone's going to be awesome. In yeah. His eyes. The Aiden Hutchinson gas has been getting poured on the fire nonstop since the start of training camp. They're on hard knocks, hard knocks players. I guarantee you, if you looked, there's probably a bump in their ADP. Mm -hmm. 
during hard knocks in drafts. So everyone's kind of in on the Lions. The Lions are a very trendy team right now. Yeah. So Malcolm Rodriguez, will he pan out? I don't know, but I, we're look. It's not like he has serious stiff competition, right? Yeah. It's not like this is saying Chad Muma is the star of Jags camp. Well, too bad because he's not going to surpass Devin Lloyd or Foyseta Lua kind on the depth chart. Sorry, bud. But when your competition is Alex Anzalone, who John Macri famously said, I hope he's good at something because he's not good at football, and Derek Barnes, the perennial disappointment, Derek Barnes, I'm I'm paying attention. I think that's yep. the biggest thing for me is you the, can do worse. The context is very interesting. And the prices, I mean, What's the ADP? This dude even get drafted? It's undrafted, I would say. Yeah. Probably on waivers if you go check your league right now. But let's transition to Jacksonville and the aforementioned Devin Lloyd. Addy, where is Devin Lloyd? He has yet to practice thus far in training camp. These things, I think, are worth mentioning because they tend to sneak up on you a little bit. This time of year when we've had been in the football desert and now we're suddenly drinking from the fire hose of news and training camp buzz and hype and injuries and oh no, you know, videos coming out and oh, so-and-so just walked off the field, limped off the field, was carted off. He's in the tent. It's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. And I think he can slide under the radar a little bit that guys like Devin Lloyd, these highly drafted, highly prized IDP assets haven't seen the field thus far in training camp. That's a little worrisome. Yeah. I guess so, but I think you should look at it more as um, this is a chance for this guy to drop. You know, there you go. Drafts, That's a great point, uh, which I think he will, um, just because you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, and yeah, people get a little worried about that stuff. But I mean, Devin Lloyd is someone that has massive upside this year, um, and someone that I think you should be trying to make plans for in your drafts. I mean, he's he's someone that could easily get 130, 140 tackles. You know, off rip. So I, I like Devin Lloyd a lot. I mean, Chad Muma, yeah, sure. He's he's going to have a chance at, you know, at some point. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I think Foyce's going to have to get out the door before Muma. And I've been before, hearing good stuff about Foyce. Yeah, I it mean, sounds like uh, sounds like he's all over the place. The positive I mean, buzz has been really, really he high. Is, he is Foyce. a veteran. I mean, Yes, you would expect that. Yeah. Highly paid veteran coming in. If nothing else, he's going to give you 150-plus tackles if he stays healthy. Yep. So if that's what you want to pay for, Jacksonville Jaguars, there you go. You're probably going to get that, assuming health. But, uh, Addy, as we wrap up the news here, a final piece of news, speaking of health, I think there comes a point in every veteran's career where they realize, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And for Kiko Alonso, it was signing with the New Orleans Saints Literally about a week ago, not even that. I was in Texas, so it's not even been a week. It's been like four days that uh, Kiko Alonso signed with the New Orleans Saints and has since retired. Uh, that Simpsons gif of him like walking in. The- yes, yes. Tur- seeing uh, Bart at the stool, grabbing his hat and walking right back out. So I don't know. Maybe it was just Kiko Alonso's time. Maybe he got a look at this New Orleans team and said, no, thank you. I don't want anything to do with this. I'd rather yeah. retire. Uh, but I will always remember Kiko Alonso for trying to decapitate Joe Flacco. That's right. Yeah. That Forget primetime game. It was. Yeah. And just a vicious. I think they tossed Kiko out of that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was relevant for, for, he was. for a while there. He had a stretch. But man, he always was one of those guys that sucks. 
too, you know. That sucks. Not, just not a, not a good football player. Yeah, just maybe not a good person. <laughs> like probably not. Kind of a cheap shot artist. You always kind of wonder, like, what do his teammates or his opponents think of this guy? You know, trying to take my quarterback's head off. Name's Kiko. I just feel like that's a little weird, right? Yeah. We haven't seen a lot of. I mean, any other Kikos? I've never known a Kiko. Never known a Kiko. Well, happy trails to Kiko Alonzo. Um, it's that time of year, Addy. We're gonna have some retirements. We're going to have some surprise cuts coming up, you know. Yep. Still um, some pretty solid guys floating around out there, you know. And that's the problem with, like, some of these, like, Malcolm Rodriguez's and uh, even Jonas Griffith. Like, it, there's a chance that they could bring another vet. I think even, like, wasn't Denver considering bringing in Anthony Barr? Yep, they were. So, I mean, you know. Uh, be, Joe Schobert's right. uh, out there still, right? He hasn't signed anywhere, has he? Right. Uh, you've AJ got Johnson. AJ Johnson floating around. So, I mean, yeah, just that stuff can happen. Be prepared for that stuff, but be prepared for the trap door. Nothing is secure right now. Yeah. We'll keep you. We'll keep you prepared. Yeah. We are always aware where the trap sure. doors are. So this was, uh, this was good, Addy. I think it's helpful this time of year. And I appreciate folks like Greg Rosenthal, uh, Joe Bryant, football guys. They put out their kind of rundown of all the training camp news that you need to know. So, Find that source of news that you trust and just plug in. It's a lot to try to keep up with everything. So find those good aggregators of training camp info. You don't want to overreact, like we said, Addy, but n this is not all smoke. It is not just like ignore everything. Your job as a fantasy manager is to sort through the noise to figure out what actually matters this time of year. Not everything matters. Most of it doesn't matter, I would say, but some of it does. And so we're going to try to help you sort through and figure out what actually matters for IDP. Yep. That's what we're here for, Addy. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we don't get burned again like we did last year with like the Zayvon Collins stuff. And, Boy. Um, just because Kimes is a liar. He's a liar and pathetic. Sure. As uh, Taylor Swift likes to say. Um, but continued weirdness out of, out of Arizona. They don't view Zayvon Collins as like a full-time guy. We'll see. And again, another boy, another opportunity. Yeah. For you. Let's, let's hope that that's just, I mean, if that's, if it's another year of him not getting on the field, Oh my God. What are we doing? What are we doing? Isaiah Simmons I mean, just, is playing the star role now. Two draft picks on fire. Pretty, pretty much. much. It was like, um, two top 15 draft yeah, picks. Right? I think maybe 16 yeah, for Zayvon was 16. So, uh, Ben Solak said it on the, uh, the athletic football show very well. It's like they're pulling the Hassan Reddick. With Isaiah Simmons moving him to the proper position too late in his career, right? Yeah. Like they're not capturing the real value moving Simmons if the star role is his best role. They're doing that in year three. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? That's an indictment yeah. of you all and your player development and evaluation. And I don't like Vance Joseph. He just yeah. seems like a little hard ass. Like he's, you know, you're going to have to, uh, just make sure you do everything the right way or he's going to hold some grudge against your, you know, I just don't like him. Just never been a fan. The Arizona Cardinals are a bit of a circus right now. You've got Cliff coming out and saying, yeah, I just let Kyler uh, call the plays just so he sees how hard this shit is. I don't know if you saw this. Saw it. Yeah. It's like, I see him shaking his head this time and I just want him to know uh, this ain't easy. And it's like, bro, what is happening in Arizona? Y'all just had this homework clause for Kyler yeah. that followed an off season of drama and subtweets and social media scrubbing. And now Cliff's like, 
But what if I just uh, throw double middle fingers up at Kyler through the media? Yeah. You think you can call the place? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, here you go. Oh, man. Just very weird vibes. The whole... Or, um, Hollywood Brown arrested for going yeah. 126 miles per hour or whatever. Was what it that? that fast? I think it was something Jeez. Like All right, Hollywood. Calm down, bud. Yeah, so you got the Zaven weirdness, the Simmons weirdness, the Kyler weirdness, Hollywood Browns rest, the Cliff is throwing his quarterback under the bus every chance he gets. Not doesn't seem like a lot of discipline over there in Arizona. It seems like a circus. I think we're gonna get like a Seth Wickersham expose mm-hmm. once Cliff and Steve Kime are fired after this season of like this was a house of horrors. No. Like this was uh no discipline. No culture, no organization, just like pure pandemonium. Cliff doing drugs with all the players. Cliff having no socks on, just walking around in his Scarface mansion, mountains of cocaine. Yeah, it's just, uh, just a, just a horse everywhere. Just yeah, we know why Chicago's holding out on Roquan Smith. They know the truth sure. of what happened when he missed sure. those we games. know what he done. Well, thank you all for listening to this first part of the episode but don't go anywhere we're gonna be right back after this ad break uh we are going to have the guys from all 22 on to help us break down the strategy for your all 22 drafts so don't go anywhere you don't want to miss it we will be right, right back. back good job Eddie. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back to the IDP show. This part of the episode, we are so excited to welcome in the three guys from all 22, Chris Lombardi, Bobby Acker, and Ray Cotto. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? We're doing so well. Thank you so much for having us, Josh. We're excited to be here. Absolutely, man. All 22, you guys launched this year in February. And we were talking to you all a little bit before we got on air. The response has been so cool on Twitter to watch folks start to have their drafts, start to have debates, and start to see this baby that has been in the works for so many years finally get put out there where people can start enjoying it. So that, what we're going to talk about tonight, you guys were on John Macri's podcast, The Big Nickel, to talk through the mechanics of the platform and how it works. Tonight, with drafts starting up, 
I thought it would be fun to have you guys on to talk through some strategy. We just had our IDP Avengers draft with some buddies of ours from IDP a couple weekends ago. That was wild. We'll get into that here in just a bit. But we've got some clips queued up from six of the guys in that league. Adam and I are going to share our strategy as well. And we're just kind of going to talk about some questions and try to dig into some of the points here that I think some of the listeners and the new All-22 users might have as they approach their first draft. But gentlemen, you guys, you've been in the lab on this for years. Chris, I'm curious. When you actually get into your drafts, what's your overall strategy for tackling this all 22 draft? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me is don't try to predict 10 years down the road. Try to focus on the next three to five years. I think that's a big mistake uh, a lot of people are making, um, but it's, you know, it's a way for them to learn. So go ahead and make as many mistakes as you, as you need to. Um, and after that, I'd say try to target as many elite players at valuable positions as, as possible and then, and then look for difference makers, right? Like, even if it's a less valuable position, look for guys that are really going to make a difference. Yeah, Bobby, what about you? I, I feel like we're all going to have similar answers here, but is there maybe anything different in how you approach your drafts? Yeah, mine's actually actually a little different. So, like, when we started this game, it was it was so that you could feel like you're actually sitting in the front office of your favorite team and you're actually playing the general manager part, right? So I kind of build this team. I build my teams exactly the way I would build a team as if I was sitting there, right? So I want an offense that's built from the inside out, right? I want that dominant offensive line. I want quarterbacks that can use their feet, but also win from the pocket. That's super important to me. Um, receivers, you know, I, I want guys that create separation, but it's not really a high priority for me, right? I know that, you know, college receivers get better and better every year, so I can wait on that. Um, running backs, Really couldn't care less. I think there's no position that I value less than running backs. So um, I usually just get a committee of guys that can catch the ball later on, guys that are going to meet the snap counts. Um, my defense, kind of same thing, right? So building from the inside out, I want big hog molly defensive interior guys that are just disruptors, right? The DeForest Buckners of the world, the Vita Vays, those are my guys. Um, you'll never see me draft a team without getting Trey Hendrickson as my edge rusher. Um, but other than him, I want those really athletic dudes. Like that's that's really important to me. Get pass rush, and then get some corners that can uh, that can have good length, good speed, um, young guys. Um, and then linebacker to me is kind of like running back. I really don't care because you know even if I did care, it's not going to make a difference, which we'll get into later. But that's pretty low low priority for me. Yeah, Adam. It seems like if you were actually in the GM chair, it'd be like, all right, we need some. Some blue collar lunch pail guys, right? Some some first guy in, last guy out, and then some drip lords to help balance out the equation, right? Mainly drip lords. Mainly drip lords. Okay. <laughs> there may be some other folks out there drafting the Trey Hendricksons of the world, sure. uh, the yeah. lunch pail the guys. bangers. <laughs> right. Exactly. The Bama bangers. There you go. But you want the guys with the visors and the tattoos, right? Who are going to be the you know all bus team, right? Right. Yeah, that's all I'm really concerned about. Guys, Ray, is there is there points for drip in the all 22 platform? Have we perhaps discovered a new feature here? I, you know, I'm trying my hardest to gain full control of this platform so we can, in fact, add <laughs> bonus points for drip. So I'm Let's working go. on it. <laughs> so are you incorporating drip into your draft strategy, Ray, or how are you approaching your actual drafts? If it's a corner receiver, absolutely. Um, 
but you know, the guys here will tell you, I'm a, you know, huge draft Nick guy, um, you know, love, you know, grinding college tape and all that good stuff. And, and a lot of times, and we'll get into this obviously as we go forward here into a lot more of these sort of technical aspects of certain positions and so forth and things we look for. But also at the end of the day, you take a step back and it's just, hey, pick the best player available, right? You, you say that in the draft and the same goes for, for team building. So uh, the other thing is, yes, ideally you, do, you don't want to look too far ahead, you know, 10 years down the road and get ahead of your skis. But you're also not going to fire yourself in three years if your team is underachieving, right? So this is an opportunity to try to build something long-term if the chips fall that way in your draft. But like all drafts, right, in all formats, there's going to be some dead zones, right? You're going to find yourself stuck kind of not feeling great about certain things, and that's when you kind of take that step back and just say, take the best player available. If you just keep taking talented players and stacking talent, you'll be satisfied with your team, and your team will look all right when all said and done. Well, there we go, Addy. Some nice diversity right off the top from the guys. You were saying before we got on air, no real prep. Just kind of got in there and went for it. Yeah, and I, w- I went really young, which is funny because that was, I think, what uh, Chris said. <laughs> right off the top. I was wondering why you were laughing. It's because you just took your strategy and yeah, uh, tossed I'm it right extremely the young, <laughs> very young, probably too young. Probably going to be the am, best team in 2027. Though, I am sure, sure, though. I got Jamar Chase. Yep. I got uh, C.D. Lamb. I got Rashad Bateman. Oh, boy. So we're we're very drippy. So when they <laughs> add that feature, I am set. You're all set. You're going to be outscoring folks by about uh, 20 to 30 points every That'll week. That's going to be a lot. That's going to be a lot. Yeah, my, my strategy was essentially just spam the most important positions, right? The highest scoring ones, uh, quarterback, edge rusher, tackle, wide receiver, just load up. The first nine picks, I literally went edge rusher, QB, tackle, three wide receivers in a row, edge and tackle. So that was my strategy. And then my ninth pick was defensive interior. And I did the same thing. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I I just went pretty young. I think like my edge guys were Brian Burns and Josh Allen. Both guys haven't really graded well yet, but I feel like their best years are ahead of them. Um, Where it was a struggle for me was just the knowledge of which offensive linemen are good. Yes, exactly. And who's, you know, who's the up and coming guys and, um, I would love to hear the fellas talk about like who are some of their favorite, you know, just players in this platform, offensive linemen, of course, but like who else are they, they always, you know, want to make sure they, they get every single draft. Yeah. That's a great question. Chris, is there a guy that you have to leave your draft with? Tristan Wirfs every single time, every single time he has Tom Brady yeah, as his quarterback, you know, like, I feel like there's just, he's going to grade well every year and he's done that already at what is he? 23 years old. Um, I get him every single time. It's it's Vontae Mack, no matter what, except it's scribbled out and it says Tristan Wirfs. Bobby, who's your Vontae Mack? Who are you leaving every draft with? Oh, dude, it's Quentin Nelson. That's easy. That's the mm. easiest answer. It, it, you know, you guys mentioned not knowing the names of like, or, or not knowing good offensive linemen. That's the problem. That's exactly the problem. That's why the three of us are here right now. <laughs> That's right. And I think I would wager a lot of the folks that are out there on Twitter, because we know one from our league, who said years ago, man, I would love if there was uh, fantasy football that incorporated offensive line. So I bet you a lot of the folks, I think I saw a tweet today, someone was upset that a guard got sniped that was in their queue. And right, it feels like that really is one of the core, you know, appeals of this platform is that you're waiting at like we, we in IDP, we're 
for the casual fantasy gamer, they're wading into new waters with us, but even more so with you all drafting punters and offensive linemen. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it happens in the real draft, right? I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, lots of Cowboys fans, you know, we're, we're throwing their, you know, pens across the, the table there when Kenyon Green got drafted by the Texans this past spring, right? They had, you know, their eyes on him. So when a guard gets taken from you, it does hurt, you know, it hurts in real life. It should hurt in, in fantasy football too. And that's like Bobby said, that's why we're here. That's right. Ray, before we move on, I got to know, Who's your guy that you're leaving every draft with? Yeah, so I have two. I'm going to hold one um, to myself here for for later on in the show. And if you're a star podcast or seen, uh, you know, seen some of our Twitter interactions, you probably know who that is already. But I'll go with uh, Rashawn Slater uh, as well. I just fell in love with him in the draft process. Think you know, like Tristan Wirfs, he's just someone who's going to be an elite, elite tackle for the next ten years. So. But without a doubt, I, I want that guy locking down my tackle position for the next decade. That's who I went with at the uh, in my third round pick there. I started off Miles Garrett, Matthew Stafford, Rayshon Slater. Wanted to, like I said, spam those most important positions. And I know Rayshon Slater. Listening to like the Athletic Football Show and some of those other football podcasts, I know... I don't know a lot about offensive line, but I do know the guys that make the football guys drool whenever they turn on the all 22 so i'm with you ray very happy to have Rayshon slater on the squad but uh let's jump into a little bit of our league mates strategy like we mentioned we had our idp avengers draft a couple saturdays ago and six of our league mates were kind enough to send in clips explaining a little bit about their strategy so what we're going to do we're going to cue these clips up And then we're going to ask some follow-up questions that I'm sure a lot of new uh, All-22 users might have as they head into their draft. So let's cue up this first one here from the newest football guys, Stafford, Joey the Tooth. Take it away, Joey. Oh, I just did my first All-22 draft. Bring you a little bit of the inside of my strategy. So I wanted to go quarterback first, and I said I'm going to try to go with the most efficient quarterback which was, in my opinion, with Devontae Adams there, going to be Derek Carr. He's still only about 32 years old. He has a great number one target now. Hunter Renfro really stepped up last year. They still have Darren Waller. So I actually think that offense takes a nice step forward. So after the skill positions, I decided to go with the trenches, get some offensive line and defensive line. So I grabbed a couple of nice edge rushers, interior defensive linemen, tackles and guards. And then later a center, and then delayed on corners and safeties, much like I do in regular drafts, but it's just because there's so much value you can find in the league. I mean, sure, we'll miss out on some of the elites, but there's also guys who are good in coverage that you can find. So from there, linebackers are one of the last thing to jump on because they're kind of replaceable. So that was my strategy. All right, Chris, one of the things that Joey talked about in that clip that I found very interesting is this idea of stacking. Now, this is a core tenant of DFS, of best ball drafts. If you listen to the underdog football show, you hear a lot about stacking. Of course, Joey went with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, the QB wide receiver stack. What do we think about stacking in the all 22 format, though? Yeah, it's an interesting example that he did use Carr and Adams, and I was hoping he would have done something else. Um, yes, it plays a part in this, right? 
if Devontae Adams is having an amazing game, it will have a slight impact on Derek Carr. It won't have the impact that you traditionally see where it's, okay, he threw for 400 yards and Adams ended up having 200 receiving yards and a couple touchdowns. It's not like that. But what you might see is, uh, did Carr get time to throw from Colton Miller, right? Did Colton Miller give Derek Carr enough time to throw in the pocket? So you might try to stack Colton Miller and Derek Carr. Um, And then another example, right, is like, what about the edge guys, right? Max Crosby had an amazing year last year, and then they went and added Chandler Jones on the opposite side. So do you stack edge players, right? Knowing that Crosby had already graded super well last year, now he's getting somebody across from him to take even more pressure off of him to let him maybe even take the next step. So different ways to do it. I think it just adds another kind of dynamic way to do uh, your drafting and think about drafting and play all 22. Yeah, Bobby, it seems like that the typical stack we think of, right, is quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end. But you talk about quarterback tackle or stacking two edge rushers together. This is some next level strategy right here. Yeah, certainly a lot to think about. And I think there's there's certainly risk too, even in the traditional sense that you're thinking of it in a quarterback and receiver, right? Like, I think if if you see, you know, Let's say Devonta Adams does go down with an injury at some point, right? Derek Carr maybe gets less less of those big time throws affecting his grade. Um, I think you'll see, even the other way around, if if it was um, Derek Carr that gets injured and Adams is still on the field, I think maybe you start to see his grade dip a little bit. But the one thing that you know our game kind of leverages is that like that unseen production, right? So maybe there's things that Adams is doing on in in the run game, right, where he's picking up blocks downfield. Those are things that are going to factor into his grade in this format where it's really not going to happen in a, a tr- traditional fantasy setting. Yeah. Addy, did you, uh, did you think at all about stacking or were you just like, let me get the young drip Lords. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, again, going <laughs> with the drip, but it was pretty much in panic mode because it was getting back to me so fast. It was. I didn't have the queue set again. We got a, I got a, a three month that, uh, right three month old at home. So things are hectic around there. Um, but yeah, we did our best. I feel, I still feel really good about the squad. I just picture that dog meme where the whole room's on fire and Addie's like, this is fine. It's back to me with no cue, but, uh, <laughs> it, did, it took a while. But yeah. The, the wife did ask a few times. She was like, draft's still going on, huh? <laughs> that is true. You do have to make the proper accommodations. We had, uh, we had turned off our, our cable television and I was like, it's training camps back. It's draft. I gotta, I gotta get this back on. I gotta get in the right headspace. So had the, had the training camp reports coming in from NFL network, had the draft going. I just haven't had that feeling in a while, you know, of entering a draft or being on the clock where you're like, oh man, I don't know what to do here. Right. You know, it's just, it's, it's just something that we haven't dealt with and probably since we started playing IDP. That's true. That first IDP draft, we go back and we'll look and we're like, wow, we were really bad at this the first <laughs> yeah. year. Jeez. So I imagine it'll be a lot of the same with this. Yeah. Is it, guys, have you had that, Ray, have you had that experience yet of looking back at maybe some of your early drafts when this product was in beta testing and being like, you know, come a long way since that draft? Oh, yeah. I uh, took Titus Howard in uh, the early 20s at one point. Um last year i think i was like i said just in a dead zone and just kind of panicked and i was like i kind of like titus howard when he was coming out he's got you know long arms i'm just gonna take him and it was a it was just a horrendous pick so uh yeah that that definitely happens uh (laughs) 
So it's it's a learning experience for everyone, even those who actually created the game and made the rules. It especially happens for Ray. <laughs> His first we'll season, get, he he won like two games. <laughs> we will get oh, no. into see. Uh, we'll we'll save it for the later on in the show. But there you there's go. More Ray's, to it than that. We'll Ray took the strategy of of drafting younger players, right? So that was my warning call at the beginning of the show. There you go. So there's maybe some history here, some context for mm-hmm. why we're talking about beware of youth. Another strategy here that I'm very interested to dig into with you guys comes courtesy of Joey's colleague at footballguys.com dynasty trip trip. Take it away with your strategy for the all 22 draft. This is trip. My approach began with constructing a spreadsheet of value over replacement players. I downloaded the pro football focus player grades and multiplied each by the scoring coefficient found in the all 22 instruction manual. Noticed, of course, that the quarterback position was easily the most valuable with the high scoring coefficient and the kicker and punter were quite low. And so I figured I would save those until the end of the draft, just as I would in most leagues. The other positions that stood out were edge defender and wide receiver as being particularly valuable, not just because of the scoring coefficient, but because of the numbers that I would need to start and roster. I also noticed that the running back and cornerback position were particularly flat, and so my plan was to wait until late in the draft to add at those particular positions. In hindsight, I think that I accomplished quite a few of my goals. A couple of strategies didn't work out as well as I would have hoped. My linebacker position was probably the weakest. I thought that uh, that would be a position that I would be able to gain by taking part-time players that would do well in limited snaps rather than be forced out there and get eaten alive in coverage and have their grade go down. I think that I got a little too cute with that strategy and ended up taking several dart throws and using roster spots at the position that I could have used elsewhere. But overall, I felt like I I did okay. It was a remarkably difficult draft, and it was interesting to see how many different strategies came through. Certainly wish everyone luck and happy to make any trades. Hope everyone in the league will reach out to me if they have needs at offensive line in particular. I'm looking forward to a great season, and it was a fun experience. And would recommend that everyone try it. All right, Bobby, we heard Tripp mention a very interesting strategy there of drafting part-time, highly-graded linebackers in favor of those full-time linebackers who maybe wouldn't grade as well. Because let's be honest, linebacker is a tough position to play in the real NFL. Now, it didn't work out the way that Tripp expected, but do you think this is a viable strategy looking at those highly graded part-time players in your draft? I mean, first of all, before I answer the question, right, I think Tripp can do voiceovers for audiobooks. That guy's got right? voice, right? He's got a great voice. Like Amazing. when we, we did the IDP MVP episode and Bob is like, I just want him to read me like bedtime stories. Like that's yeah. incredible. I wanted that audio clip to go longer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he, he has this, this strategy, right. Of, of stacking his linebackers, getting the, getting the two, two down guys. Right. And I'm always going to advise against no matter what, I'm always going to advise against trying to game the system. It just doesn't work. Me, Ray, and Chris each are in literally 20 of these all 22 leagues, right? And I have tried to game the system just to see if it would work, and it never does. Your best bet, rather than going for the two-down guys, rather than trying to find the loophole, is just to try to find the guys that aren't a liability on third down, aren't a complete liability. So, yes, everybody's looking at the defensive grids, 
but it's also going to be important for your linebackers. Make sure they're not a complete liability as a, as a pass rusher. Make sure they're not a complete liability in, in coverage. So also make sure you're looking at those grades too. Um, they should be included in your, uh, in your draft setting. So those are going to be pretty important for you to take a look at. Yeah, Ray, are there any ways that you may be in past drafts have tried to gain the system? Some little just experiments that you've run to see how it pans out? I, I think th- what I've learned is you have to be able, if you're trying to game the system or implement some sort of strategy or value added move or whatever the case is, you have to be able to explain it as if it can work in the actual game in real life. If if you say it out loud and you think that would be something that would be just a really stupid move for an actual NFL team to do, it's going to get exposed in this game, right? So to the whole, you know, gaming or using linebackers a certain way, you have to, instead of looking at it that way, it's maybe saying, okay, what players are really good at maybe this one particular thing and they are being used mostly in that particular area so if there is a defensive interior player who maybe doesn't really offer much as a pass rusher at all but is great against the run and they're surrounded by great you know uh, pass rushers on the edge then great i'm saying okay they're going to be used to their strengths in real life so i'm a little more comfortable putting them into my lineup in all 22 Um, but if i'm just saying hey uh you know I'm just going to get, uh, you know, two linebackers and, and hope they hit the snap count minimum. And, uh, you know, with a smaller sample size, maybe they'll grade really well because they won't miss as many tackles as the next guy. You're going to get exposed. Yeah, it seems like you're living on that knife's edge, Addy. And this is a feeling that is very foreign to us. You mentioned we've been doing fantasy football now. This is like year 20 for me, I think, of just regular fantasy football. And you develop sort of these like shortcuts or hacks or like tricks that you know, okay, if X happens, I can do Y later in the draft, right? But with this format, you lose all that context. So like our bag of tricks, it's just coming up empty. I didn't even have anything in my mind of like, let me try to game the system. Like I still don't. I still have no idea really what's going on. Yeah, it's like, and I think, we're going to use this first year to really learn. And that's, I mean, I think that's what most people need to expect. And don't get frustrated if you don't get it right off the bat, because that's kind of how it was for IDP. And I see a lot of people get in that same situation with IDP. They give up too soon because they suck. They they draft a bad team out the gate. They, you know, a lot of fantasy gamers are babies. They never played sports growing up. They don't know what it means to to, to, to not give up. This is a soapbox. Addy's big into not giving up and persevering and playing actual sports. So, I mean, just stick with it. Don't be a baby. Don't give up. Are you a motivational speaker and I didn't know it? This <laughs> I is think incredible. I should be. You I should be. I it's, really I'm inspired. Should. I'm ready to not yeah. give up now. Uh, but it's true. I think that's, I was going to save this for the end, but this is like the perfect transition is one of the biggest appeals, perhaps the biggest appeal for me of this format was sort of the feeling of having no idea how the league's going to turn out. I can get to the end of the draft and have a pretty good idea. Okay, that team sucks. That team is really good. Like these are the three or four teams that are probably going to be in it at the end of the season, you know, assuming that the managers don't screw it up. But I look at the end of this draft and kind of survey the landscape of teams and I'm like, 
It's just the shrug emoji. I have no idea. When was the last all time? All these teams look bad. Right? We all look like we messed this up. <laughs> so when was the last time you had this feeling playing fantasy football of like, I don't know, man. We'll just kind of roll the ball out there and see what happens. But, Chris, I feel like that is a feature, not a bug of all 22. Yeah, you're 100% right. You know, the first draft we did uh, with with our group of friends, you know, like Bobby said, Ray came in last place at the end of it, right? Like, we're the ones that built the game, and you can't rig the system. Like, you need to be able to look at film, spot talent, and know who's playing well. And I'm not saying Ray's bad at that because he's not, but, you know, in that first draft, Ray struggled, right? Um, and it takes, and like, it takes year over year to recover from that. And Ray, you came in what, like third or fourth place last year? So you came, came up like, I eight made spots. the championship. Yes, yes. So you didn't give you up. Didn't, you, you didn't, didn't give up. He persevered. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Made the conference championship. Exactly. Yes. I'm so damn proud of you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's beaming from, he's smiling from ear to ear right now. He's, he's very, very, it's going to be me. That's, that is. He's going to be coming last place and then coming third or fourth about six years later. Uh, Cause he didn't give up. Yeah. This first year, the uh, the overall impression is like the the video making the waves right now of the guy who took the pitch on the gender reveal. Like, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm just kind of holding the bat and the pink mist is coming up around my feet. And I'm just like, well, that happened, I guess. Uh, not the way I thought it was going to go, but that's what makes this so fun. I want to get into Johnny's clip next here, gentlemen, because he mentioned something that I think is integral to every fantasy draft. But again, we have no idea really how to approach it. So that's why we want to get your opinion on what Johnny mentions here. Take it away, Mr. Greek. So for my all 22 approach, I use the positional weights from the all 22 guide as my roadmap. And uh, I actually came up with a strategy where I would target the positions of the highest scoring total weight first and that's usually not ideal for drafts because as adam would say you want to catch value where it falls to you right but with this being our first rodeo with this i wanted to make sure that i at least had solid guys at all the positions that had the highest weight for scoring totals that meant starting with quarterback i had the one pick i went with burrow from there it was edge rushers and tackles and i know josh said he had a similar strategy with the tackles that's 5.18 percent for each one of your entire scoring. Them and Edge are the two highest beyond quarterback for positional scoring each week. So targeted them early and often. I looked up guys that were relatively young, you know, five to eight years of experience, a lot of green, a lot of blue in their history, meaning that they've always had good pass blocking PFF ratings. I double checked with our lads to make sure that they actually still start and play for that team. Not sure if everyone did that, but I did. And that was my roadmap to get those positions. And then from there, I just went right down the line. You know, the next highest was like wide receiver and then interior defensive line. So I targeted those next. Rinse and repeat. Looking, because it's Dynasty, for younger guys that are locked into their job. I know they're the starter. I know they're going to be there for a while. They have a good PFF grade. They were pretty good last year. A sort by last year's point totals also in cross-reference with that. And that was it. That was my roadmap. I just made sure that I got solid guys across the board for the first 25 or so picks. I was pretty happy with how it went. Big picture, it, I mean, draft is important. I got some great pieces, but I'll adjust in season. I'll be fine, just like most of the fellas here. This is not our first rodeo. So thank you for listening. Have a great show, fellas. Take care.
All right. So, Ray, one of the things Johnny mentioned a couple times, this idea of capturing value. What are some of the ways you try to capture value in your all 22 drafts? Yeah. So value is an interesting word. Uh, I like to think of it as as sort of uh, finding the opportunity to to get a leg up. Um, and it's it's essentially zigging while others are zagging, right? That that old uh, you know cliche term. But uh, everyone talks about the high value positions, right? Quarterback, tackle, edge, corner, and receiver. Yes, those are obviously super important. And so if you're in a draft and maybe it's it's round two or three, and you have a a Bosa or um, a a Werfs or Slater fall into your lap, yeah, take those guys, right? you want that high level pass rusher. You want that lockdown tackle, um, but, or Jamar chase right at receiver that, you know, is going to be there for at least a half decade and be a top level guy. But outside of that, you start to look at, you know, some positions that people may ignore or not value as highly, but is still a little more valuable than you think. And that's a, a place like linebacker. Um, it's still, a, you know, four point like two, five percent of, you know, positional weight there. So it still does matter. And there are not many good linebackers at all. The position is under attack. I don't think I can name eight linebackers that I would be comfortable having on my team and starting week in and week out. So if I can get a guy like a Micah Parsons, for example, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's not an edge rusher. It's not, or maybe he's not an edge rusher yet, right? Depending on how he'll be used in the future, that can always change. Um, but even just leaving him at linebacker, if you have an 80 grade for a week from someone like Micah Parsons and then, you know, Joe Blow linebacker is grading at a 60 for your opponent, well, the difference between that, even at that position weight, is almost a full point uh, for that weekly score. And most games come down to a point differential of about two to three points. So if at one slot you can get a full point edge over your opponent, that's huge. Especially if you know that at that spot on in their lineup, right, their linebacker is not going to be nearly as good. So you have an advantage right off the bat. And if you feel good about the depth at a position like edge or receiver or corner, then you address those a little bit later on, but you kind of have that, uh, you know, that extra leg up at uh, a spot that many people are ignoring like linebacker or uh, you know, maybe to a lesser extent guard or center. Right. I mean, just think about your, your favorite teams. I mean, you know, if you're a Colts guy, yeah, you got Quentin Nelson, but how many NFL teams have legitimately two good guards and a good center? It just doesn't happen that the, you know, the, the position is just so scarce. So if you can lock down those guys and you have the rest of your league really struggling to fill the gap there, you already have an advantage. Yeah, Bobby, I'm reminded of those um, challenges where they put the person inside of the glass kind of like rectangle and the money's all flying up and they have to try to grab the dollars and they come out with like $3. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why didn't you grab more money? That's what these all 22 drafts feel like is value as falling. It's always been my dream. It's always been his dream. He's going (laughs) to not give up and he's going to get in that glass case one of these days, Bobby. But That's how this all 22 draft felt like. Even if I understood where the value was, there are so many positions in this platform that for me, the challenge was, where do I grab value? Where does it make, where's the drop off? Like if I don't take this value pick right now, there's a huge cliff coming. So this is the guy to grab. That was the struggle in a good way for us in this first draft. Yeah, you you can't panic. 
I know we talked about that before. You you got to stay calm. So like, I know a lot of guys are are grabbing at those dollar bills like you talk about to try and fill out their depth chart and fill out their roster. I don't play that game. I'm waiting if, if there's if there's a tackle there that's worth the value. Like I think John, you mentioned it in his clip, right? He said you draft where the value falls, right? I don't care if I have three elite tackles on my roster. If there's a tackle there that's worth the pick. I'm going to get them. I know that I can make a, a move with Ray or Chris later on. And I can get some value in return where maybe, you know, uh, maybe I didn't draft so so well. So, um, I, I, like I said, really don't panic. Take your time. Get the value where it falls. I'm well, I'm not afraid of loading up my depth chart. So how? So a few of us took like multiple quarterbacks. Is that a good idea? Is that a good strategy? Is there any value in having a like? I, for instance, I had Herbert as a starter, and then I took. Trey Lance, like in the 11th round. Is there any value in doing stuff like that? Is it, what do y'all think about that? Yeah, absolutely. We, we talk, we talk before, right? Um, we talk about how everybody's team right now looks pretty shiny right now. Like it looks really good going into the season, right? If you look at the real NFL teams and you look at like their, their B reporters, they're writing the same things, unless you're like the bears or something like that. You look pretty shiny right now. You look pretty good. And then all of a sudden these injuries start to take place. Watch, make note of this. Look at your IR come week eight. It's going to be loaded. When you have 53 <laughs> guys in your team, your IR is going to be loaded. So yes, you want to be deep at all of those key positions, especially. Yeah, Chris, is there any position where you are trying to stock the pantry the most early on in the drafts? Or conversely, any positions you're like, nah, I can just, I know I can grab value later on mm-hmm. in the draft at these positions. So I'm not going to sweat them like in the middle rounds. Yeah. So edge rusher and quarterback are the two that I stack early. Like I'm, I'm the guy that similar to what you guys did, right? Like I'm going to take Justin Herbert and I'm going to get Trey Lance a couple rounds later because it is the most important position in this game. Same thing at edge on the, the opposite side, right? It's funny. We've been kind of bashing linebackers, so I hate to do it, but when you run the numbers, right, linebacker is not only the most shallow pool, but they have the the least repeatable success. So when you look at that, right, like why am I going to invest heavily on linebackers? Like we just found out Darius Leonard might miss a lot of time this year, right? The top guys face in injury young. You know, we, we've seen top linebackers in the league retire at 30. Um, so I don't want to invest early, right? I don't want to go reach on a Fred Warner just because he's the only guy available that's an elite linebacker, right? So my strategy is I'm going to take risks on some young linebackers later on. And then right towards the end of the draft, if there are guys, um, I think like Shaq Tom, Tom, Thompson was one mm-hmm. of these guys, right? Like guys that just play a lot, right? They get a lot of opportunity on the field, even if they aren't the best players or they don't grade the best, they're always going to be able to fill in. So if you have that rookie that you're, you're really like shooting for the moon on and he doesn't end up meeting your snap count minimum in a week, you have a guy that's going to come in and be a solid player and get you a solid grade. So linebacker is definitely a position. Running backs, same thing. Like those are positions I typically fade and I take risks on just younger guys in later rounds and then back them up with guys that just get opportunity. All right, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because our next clip brings up a point that we've talked a little bit about, but we're going to get into a little more from Fantasy Points. Justin Varnes, take it away, my friend. 
Hey everyone, this is Justin Varnes from FantasyPoints.com. Well, I certainly didn't go into this All-22 draft expecting to come away with Russell Wilson as my first pick, but that's just kind of how the draft fell. I knew I wanted an elite quarterback because the drop-off from those really high-end quarterbacks to everyone else is pretty steep, and the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, they were all gone. So I was left with the decision. Do I take Russell Wilson, who's coming off of a down year, his first down year in the PFF era, or do I go with someone like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Matt Stafford? I decided on Wilson because he's a good five to six years younger than those other guys, and this is a dynasty startup. So I'm I'm happy to lock up one of the last few remaining quarterbacks who I feel strongly is going to give me steady high grades in this draft. Other two things I'm focusing on for this draft are – any sort of positional advantage I can get in premium spots. So I got Kyle Pitts early on for tight end. I got Justin Tucker as my kicker and A.J. Cole as my punter. I think those types of players are going to give me consistent high grades where a lot of people below them will be a little a little squirrely. And then I waited on wide receiver. I went. I, I don't think I drafted a wide receiver to the 13th or 14th round. And I went pretty young. I got Elijah Moore. I got Sky Moore. I got a lot of younger players who I think are going to turn out fine. But at the middle of the draft, 28-29, I was still able to come out with Gabriel Davis and Robert Woods. So I'm feeling happy that I, I'm glad that I waited on wide receiver. I think that's going to pay off for me. Other than that, I'm really happy with my team, edge rushers, etc. Russell Wilson, like I said, not somebody I thought I was going to end up drafting. But as the rest of my team unfolded, I was happy that I did. All right, so Ray, we've talked a little bit about it already, but let's dive into it a little more, especially for uh, edification over here. Uh, Justin mentioned taking Russell Wilson because he was a few years younger. So to what extent do you all value youth in your all 22 drafts? So I look at age a little bit differently than maybe most people do. And I look at it sort of based on their, in two ways, based on their uh, profile entering the league first and foremost, and then depending on the phase they are in their career, how many years they have left, right? So in looking at the former, if someone's entering the league, you look at guys like in last year's class, Kyle Pitts, Pinay Sewell, I mean, they were super young and they're already at the top of their, you know, of their position groups really for their class. And if they show out well right away, then, hey, you know, okay, yes, it's kind of a three to five year league, but this, you know, this player has a potential to be a 12 year starter and a legitimate 12 year starter, um, you know, for, for my lineup. So when there's an opportunity like that, I tend to jump on it, right? As opposed to, oh, you're a 23 year old rookie. Well, what took you so long to, you know, actually make the jump to the NFL, right? Why'd you have to wait till you were older than all your peers in college before you looked good enough to go pro? Um, so that's the first thing, right? I look at that. If I'm looking something at something very long-term, I'll look at the draft profile and how age factors into that. If they're playing well outside of that, it's really like Chris had mentioned earlier, sort of that three, four, five year window and not much beyond that. So if I'm looking at two receivers, one's 27, one's 25, I'm not taking the 25 year old. If I feel better about the 27 year old's game. Um, you know, I have three years to figure it out and get a replacement if I really need to. I'm not going to let age play that big of a factor once players are well into their career. I'm just going to take the best one. So 
to, to that end, I, I start to fade age once players are in the league longer and longer. But if I'm looking at some rookies or, you know, maybe I'm in sort of that, uh, you know, early teens, mid teens, and some of the top rookies are starting to go off the board, I may pay attention a little more to those who have a great profile that are young for their class that may be there for a longer period of time. Bobby, it seems like with rookies, especially, I think about like everyone has a learning curve when it comes to their job playing in the NFL. That's a really hard job. So I'm curious, how have you approached rookies? Because I I haven't looked at this. I haven't tracked it, but it seems like with a scoring system based on PFF grades and true on-field performance, rookies may not be players that you really want to target, even with this being a dynasty type of setup. Yeah, it's tough. And and it really depends on, on the position, right? So like the three of us talk all the time about specifically rookie tight ends. Um, I know, Justin just talked about how he got Kyle Pitts, who's going into his, his second year now. Kyle Pitts is a freak, but we, we noticed that these rookie and young tight ends are really struggling to make that jump from college to the pros. So you're going to see their, their, their grades reflect that too in the first few years in, the, in, their, in their career. Um, so we like to look for like the, the guys in like their late 20s who are playing tight end. That's kind of like that sweet spot for the position. As far as like a, a different position, like running back, I really don't care. I, I'll get the young guys. I'll get I'll get the guys that were drafted in the fourth, fifth round. It really doesn't matter. Um, so it's kind of a position by position basis. Adam, it sounds like they're almost targeting that area where dudes start to get grown ass man strength. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That, yeah, you know, we were we're just coming out of that. Were we ever in that though? To begin with, we had a couple months in. There. We're in dad strength. You're in double dad strength yeah. now with two kids. So how's I don't that? Remember, it goes the other way. Oh, it goes the, goes yeah. the other way. The second one, yeah. The second one just takes the dad strength yeah, the third away. One will get back up. There. Okay, so it's just kind of like I'm a very flip-flop. weak. I'm very weak. Right very now. weak. It's true. I had to come open the door for him to come into the studio <laughs> when he got here. So um, that it, that makes a lot of sense, right? You're targeting essentially those dudes that are just starting to enter that prime of their career. Right. This is when they should theoretically be at their best because they have some experience. They have some seasoning. And yet, Chris, their their athleticism has not dropped off the face of the map yet. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, to back up kind of what Bobby said, right, it really matters by the position. I want to target young running backs because running backs will last. Four years, right, like and then their career might be done. Um, But if I'm targeting a tackle, we're seeing tackles play to 40 years old so like i said it's a three to five year plan but i'm okay getting young players you know at certain positions you know over a different guy like i'm gonna take i'm gonna take Brees hall potentially over i take uh nick chubb right and nick chubb might be a better back and he might um score higher and he might still have two or three years left but i know that Brees hall being a young running back has a much less chance uh higher uh lower chance of injury so that's the guy i want Whereas tackle, right? I might go for a, I might give Trent Williams, um, you know, the pick over a guy like Rashad Slater because, you know, he's he's doing it at such an elite level, and yes, he's in his thirties, but he might still have seven years left because people are doing that, so he still fits in that three to five year window. Addy, do you think we're past our prime? Or are we smack dab in the middle of that thing? <laughs> you know, way past, way it. past it, way man. Past, hey, a thought here while while someone mentioned Trent Williams, um. Darisol getting tons of, of nice buzz and they're likening him to Trent Williams. Oh, look at that. A, uh, like a baby Trent Williams. So 
I don't know if any of you boys are fans, but I think that it's going to be wheels up for him. Sounds like a training camp report. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, I remember it wasn't great on Darisaw. He wasn't like practicing last, last off season. Right. So it's, yeah, this is training camp hype and everything, but I mean, we're hearing it from a lot of pretty good beat reporters there in Minnesota. Here we go. So will it actually translate? Probably not. Uh, because again, we don't really know what we're doing here, folks. So that's why we brought the experts on. But let's keep rolling with another clip from Four for Four's Mike Wollert. Take it away, Mikey Dubs. This is Mike Wollert from fourforfour.com discussing my all 22 fantasy football draft. I really had to just unlearn what I've known and learned from fantasy football. I had no real strategies. I didn't read anything. With my first pick, I immediately went with Josh Allen. For my second pick, I went with someone who I knew was great at high. So like an NFL team, I built around my offensive line. So I ended up with Tristan Wirfs as my tackle. And then I went Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio as my guard. In a format like this, where it's really about grades, I went with, you know, Micah Parsons, who is practically a 90 and has that high upside pass rush grade. And then at linebackers, I went to Mario Davis because he had a lot of the green and grades. And then I went with a, a volume guy who I really like, Cody Barton. And then in terms of corners, you know, I targeted Chidobia Woozy, who is a high-graded cornerback. And again, just kind of went with high grades all around. You know, Jordan Whitehead, Jerome Curse as a safety. Daxton Hill for the dynasty upside. For my defensive interior, Cameron Hayward, he's a little up there, but... He'll do me just fine for this season. And I targeted Devontae Wyatt, which again, high upside rookie. So that's really how I attacked this draft. I went high graded players, didn't really go for a position strategy, just really graded players. You know, it really kind of forces you to act and think like a real GM. So, you know, where do teams build? They build around the offensive line and their quarterback. And that's what I did. There's really no wrong way to play this format. Honestly, it's fun. I'm really looking forward to the results and hopefully maybe do another league or two next year once I kind of get my footing into this one. But that's it. This is Mike Wollert, 444.com. Follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Wollert. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, gentlemen, we've talked a little bit about this. But one of the things that appealed to me a lot about this All-22 format, and Bobby, you mentioned this, was the idea of building your team like a real NFL general manager. So, Bobby, how much does that strategy actually hold up in this format? Is that viable? I mean, I wish I had experiences like a real GM so I could give you the answer to that question. (laughs) Um, Hey, 20 20 all 22 teams is about equivalent to running an actual NFL team. Let's be honest here. I think it's harder. I think it's much harder, yeah. You're dealing I'm, with like a, a thousand people, like NFL GMs maybe got like 70. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I will a lot say of though, on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though that Mike's strategy is very similar to mine. Um, of, of all the clips I've heard, it's probably the most similar to mine. How he, you know, he, he built from the inside out. He got the, his offensive line, his quarterback, and then, you know, some, some other positions he waited on that I also wait on. Um, but I do feel like it holds up, right? So like the way I think a team should be built is the way I've built my teams. And the ones that I'm most competitive with, like the ones with Chris Ray and our friends and the ones with even the PFF guys, those have been like the most successful teams. So like not the most because I lost to Chris, but you know, the, close to it, right? So these are these are winning teams. So yes, I, I'd like to say it, it, it held up. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I really like I really like what Mike did. Um, I really like the fact that he 
went after Werfs, Teller, Batonio, those guys. Wyatt Teller, if you would ask me for another guy that like I come away from every draft with, it's absolutely Wyatt Teller. Love Wyatt Teller. Yeah, Chris, it seems like the strategy of going after the players that are just good in the NFL, we've never really seen that before. One of the axioms that gets bandied about in fantasy football, and especially in IDP, is better for the NFL than for fantasy. And so it seems like finally with this platform and the approach that you guys have come up with, that we've sort of finally crossed that bridge and now players who are good for the NFL equal sign good for fantasy football, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that was all of our main reason for doing this. I mean, we would uh, meet every summer to, to create rules for our, you know, friends fa- fantasy league. And we'd come away disappointed every single time, right? Because it just doesn't equal NFL. Like the, the, the rules that we're using does not equal uh, what the NFL players success equals, right? It's a completely different animal. So like, that's what we were trying to do when we built this. And we think that we've done a pretty good job, right? Like you're drafting 53 men. Our scoring has positional importance to it. Um, you need a team to be deep because auto sub is going to put in your next best guy. If a guy gets hurt in real time. Right. So like, those are all things that, that we think about and we put into this game. So hundred percent, we were trying to merge those two things. Love that. Well, gentlemen, let's wrap up here. I am very excited to listen to Jason's clip here because we mentioned zigging while others are zagging. That's exactly what Jason did. And I'm very excited to get into it, but let's cue up the clip. Hey everyone. This is Jason King with Dynasty League Football talking strategy for the all 22 IDP Avengers League. At 107, I had a pretty simple plan with quarterback being weighted so heavily in the scoring system and having no history to go on I wanted to lock in a QB with elite grade potential and Dak Prescott ended up being that guy. The larger overall strategy that I wanted to kick into gear starting in the second round was to wait on receiver, edge, and offensive tackle despite higher weights given to those positions in the scoring system. I felt there was more quality depth at those positions and I wanted to instead focus early draft picks on interior defensive line, quarterback, and linebacker where I felt there were fewer options with elite grade potential. That said, Macri threw me off that plan pretty quick when he took Aaron Donald at 203, and I jumped on the edge train and nabbed Rashawn Gary at 206. After that, though, I more or less stuck to the strategy, getting DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones in rounds three and four, corners Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander in the fifth and seventh rounds, and the off-ball artist formerly known as Darius Leonard in the eighth. Now, two draft steals I was pretty proud of. One of those was Lamar Jackson, who I could not believe lasted until round 12. And given the heavy weight toward quarterbacks in the scoring system, if something were to happen to Dak, I should be good at a premium position. And then at running back, Derrick Henry was there in round 17, and he no doubt has elite potential as long as he's healthy. At receiver, I ended up with Tyler Lockett and Brandon Cooks, so two very good options in terms of PFF grades. And then for Dynasty's sake, filled in with a lot of young options behind them. Jerry Judy, Kadarius Toney, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, and George Pickens. Post-draft, I feel damn good about the Lollygaggers roster, but ultimately, this is just a great setup with some of the greatest IDP minds in the industry, so I'm likely to be changing my tune a few weeks into the season. But can't wait to get the season started, everyone, and check out my articles and IDP rankings over at Dynasty League Football. All right, Chris, Jason went after... QB 
interior defensive line and linebacker early and punted on wide receiver edge and tackle those important positions that we've mentioned time and time again, because he felt there was more depth at those positions of wide receiver edge and tackle. So how do you balance positional weight with positional scarcity when attacking your drafts? Yeah. Well, first I'll say that I love what you did with quarterback and interior defensive line. That Those were my strategies too. Like I, I think I came away with like Kenny Clark and DeForest Bunkner and a couple other guys in there that like really helped me be successful, right? You're starting three of them in some weeks. So it's important to be deep there. Um, you know, a position like edge, you only need two. So that has an aspect to this. So, but like positional scarcity, right? It's interesting because like I talked about with linebacker, sometimes the positions with the least depth also are the positions that have the least repeatable success. Right. So because of that, like, I don't want to concentrate so much on the positions that are just scarce and try to over target those players because everybody's going to try to do that and you're fighting each other. Right. So instead, take risks on guys that are young, sit back and get guys that are going to get opportunity in the later rounds. Um, that's that's really how I try to do it. You know, Bobby and Ray might have a different approach, but, um, I th- you know, to me, that's the the best way to be successful here. Ray, you had mentioned zigging while others were zagging earlier. I feel like Jason's strategy resonates with you a little bit. It it does, but you don't want to get over your skis either, right? So like I mentioned, Micah Parsons, right? And, and that's sort of the, the linebacker example of just the freak show that you can count on uh, to just be a menace, get high grades week in and week out. If you lose that, right? If you go into your draft... And maybe on the, you know, in the third round, early third round, he's gone already. And you're sitting there going, oh man, I really thought I could get an edge there and, and, and pick him. Don't go ahead and reach for the next guy at linebacker, whether it is a Leonard or a Warner, like Chris said, right? Think player, not position. So it's, again, that's the time where you take your step back and go, okay, just take the best player that's available. Yes, you want to take advantage of opportunities when they're there and zig when others are zagging but don't force it because that is when you get into trouble when you do reach just like anything else, whether it's a startup draft or a rookie draft, we see it time and time again. If you reach for what you feel is a need, you will get burned. Um, So if the opportunity is there, take it. If not, take the best player available. And that's essentially what got me from last place in year one to the conference championship game in my second year, that and not having uh, both starting offensive tackles and edge rushers on IR the second year. But, uh, you know, we don't have to mention excuses. that. Too, too much excuses. Forever. Yeah. That and not giving up uh, as we know. <laughs> so uh, Addy, the one thing I did not do well with in this draft was getting sniped. I've got my beautiful little cue set. I'm feeling like relatively good. Like the room is not as much on fire and then a snipe happens and I'm like, Oh my God, do I pivot to another position? Do I just take the next best available guy? So sniping threw me way off my game in, uh, in this draft. Yeah. That's, that's why you don't set a cue, Josh. That's why you don't set a cue. Okay. So we're, <laughs> we're zigging while others are zagging here. That's right. You're hey, zigging no zagging hurt you. on yourself. No yeah. one can hurt you. No one can hurt you. Well, I was drafting. I will say I was sick at one point when, uh, I forget who it was I took. Maybe I took Kayvon uh, in like the seventh round. And then like in the ninth round, Jalen Phillips went. It made me sick to my stomach. Sick to your stomach. I just was not, you know, wasn't used to not having the cue set and knowing what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and there goes your baby Jalen. And it just feels yeah, like two rounds your, later, your take, heart ripped out. Yeah. Yeah. I will say um, 
I think I had Macri. I was at the, I think, 10, and I think he was at 11. So having that come yeah, back was it's just... always annoying. Having and also, it's like, you know, Macri worked for PFF. Yeah, that I feels mean, like a cheat. I, Macri has Let's a really honest. nice team, but I mean, it also, it's like, dude, you, you work there at your yeah. job. Like, like, come on. It's what are we doing here? Why are you even in this league? It's like honestly. Barry Bonds going to like a little league game. Yeah. Like, what are we, what are we doing so at this point? If Macri does. If he's successful in this league, I don't think any of us should be impressed at all. I think we need to immediately kick him out and scrub the first year of history from the league. Look, guys, I don't work Tell for BFF, and I, I beat him twice. I don't, I don't work there, and I beat him twice. So it's possible. Okay. It's possible. You did build a game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another type of advantage that we should be talking about here, Bobby. Grades come from a third party. It's a that's third right. Party. That's right. Yeah. I will say, being at the nine spot, that's to drop off for quarterbacks. Like, I think there is a very clear cliff on those, like, young, sexy, well-graded quarterbacks, and it is right there. It's the first eight picks. I was actually at the nine spot, and so I sat there, and I was like, well, I've got, like, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. I just couldn't stomach taking Aaron Rodgers with his cool guy hair and, like, his Con Air entrance to training camp. I just... You see his new tattoo? Yes, and I hate it, and I hate him even more for it. I just couldn't do it, so I went with edge rusher. But I was like, there was a there was a couple quarterbacks. I thought, okay, maybe these guys make it to me. But that really is like right there, like the Russell Wilsons, the Kyler Murrays, the Dak Prescotts. That was hoping one of those guys would fall, and they did not. So that was a little bit. I was I was on tilt right from the very start of the draft. Uh, but gentlemen, you've built a beautiful platform and I mean that literally one of my favorite things. And I've told you guys this, y'all, you guys already have the best looking interface in the whole game. The fact that you get to select your colors, put in the hex code, pick whatever color you want. And then it color coordinates your jerseys, the Mountain Dew Quesaritos. Thank you. Because we've <laughs> got the fake toxic cheese, yellow, orange Jersey with the, uh, Baja Blast green sleeves. Adam and his team pressures ain't real has the double poop brown jerseys that are just a true delight, a, a feast for the senses. That's right. I don't know who who did you design those yourself? Yes, we did. <laughs> I bet you did, yes, sir. Don't got to worry about getting mud on them. That's <laughs> true. You don't have to even wash them because they there's no way that they can get dirty. Uh, so. Bobby, thank you guys. Thank you guys for designing a hell of a website that is just fun to look at, right? Like there's certain sites that are a lot of people use, but they look like they're straight out of like the 1990s AOL day. So thank you all for designing a really beautiful platform. We appreciate that. I hope you guys drafted with the sound on too, because the site also oh, yes. sounds good. It sounds great. <laughs> it got me fired up every time. Uh, we were back on the clock. I had to mute it when the draft was going faster and faster because it was just an anxiety trigger at that yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's also a feature, not a bug. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> you want to see, you want the sweat to start trickling down the face. So real um, GMs face that pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You need to develop at least two or three ulcers uh, during your draft. Otherwise you're not doing your job. So, uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, as we mentioned, drafts are going on right now so use the code idp show for 40 percent off your site fees ray correct me if i'm wrong you pay the site fee and you can play in as many leagues as you want right that's exactly right as many leagues as as you can want stomach whatever term you want to use yes want stomach have the stomach for uh but yeah check it out 
I know you guys um, are, you know, helping retweet and helping people find leagues. So uh, if you have any problems or questions at all, reach out to these guys, their handles, all you guys handles are at all 22 underscore. And then your names, Ray, Bobby, and Chris, right? That's correct. correct. Awesome. So reach out to these guys. If you need help, I'm sure they would be more than happy to help you find a home, but make sure to use promo code IDP show for 40% off your site fees. Chris, is the All-22 podcast going to be ramping into high gear once the uh, season starts? What's the plan for that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we we just have a treasure trove of like uh, show episodes just ready to go. So we're really excited for the season to start and to start banging those out. All right. Well, Ray, thank you guys for coming on. It was a lot of fun. We'll uh, we'll have you guys back on the show in season to kind of catch up and see how bad we're doing in the IDP Avengers League. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Can't wait for it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Y'all, we're about a month out from football and the content, it is not stopping. Next week, we got John Macri and the aforementioned Mike Wollert from 4 for 4, the Green Dot King, the one and only Green Dot King, talking three down linebackers and rookie expectations. You do not want to miss that episode. After that, we'll be coming back at y'all with another divisional preview. We've got flag plants on the horizon. Lots of good stuff, but special thanks again to the all 22 guys. IDP show promo code 40% off. Get in a league. You're not going to regret it. But until next week, y'all take care. Talk to you soon. She never left her hometown.